Hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Chan. I am so glad that you can join us for another episode of Heroes, Villains, and Redemption. This week, we have Dan Forrest to continue our series, and he's going to tackle the Joker. And so before he begins though, I just want to say a big thank you to all of you. A big thank you to all of you who continue to join us on Zoom for worship service every Sunday. Every time I see you on Zoom, logged in, it's such a big encouragement for myself and for the worship teams and for the board to see everyone intentionally carving out a time on their Sundays to log in and join us for worship on Sunday over Zoom. I also want to say a big thank you to all of you for your generous giving. It is very tempting to not give because of this uncertainty. However, I am very encouraged to see all of us continue in faithfully giving through their tithes and offerings. And so on behalf of the board, and including myself, a very big thank you to all of you for your generous support, for your continued partnership in the work of the gospel. God honors your faithful obedience in giving through tithes and offerings. God will honor your giving and how you entrusted your finances into his hands. And lastly, but not least, I want to thank the entire worship teams. Many thanks to our worship leaders, Carmen, uh, Gary, Sheffield, Vivian, and Brian for leading us in worship digitally through Zoom. They made so many innovations, so many MacGyvering of their instruments, of their equipment, to, to, in order to feed their audio into Zoom so that we can listen to them, hear them, and sing along with them without any interruptions, without any static, without any, even without any quality uh, depreciation. It is awesome. And so a big thank you to all our worship leaders for continuing to create a space to usher us into his presence every Sunday. And a big thank you to all the PowerPoint people, Paddock, April, and Rachel, for their, your continued service in this ministry. Without you guys, we wouldn't have PowerPoint, and we wouldn't have no clue what words to sing uh, when we said uh, do our worships at service on Sundays. So a big thank you to all of you. And so without further ado, I will now hand over the time to Dan Forrest as he continues our journey with the Joker. Enjoy. Hello, Crucible Church. How are you all doing today? How are things going in your homes? Uh, we've moved now into phase two of BC's restart plan, so a lot of excitement going on on the street. Tim Horton's dining room is open again. We can finally go out and get our hair cut. Oh my goodness, my hair is so long on the sides. I don't love it, but one day I'll get my hair cut, and uh, hopefully uh, next week we'll see Jonathan without a hat, or maybe he'll have a whole new hairdo. I don't know. We'll see what happens with him. Um, well, we're continuing in our series on heroes, villains, and redemption, where we've been looking at different comic book characters and examining their stories, their themes, uh, their quirks, their fallbacks, and also asking the question, how can Jesus bring redemption to these people? How can Jesus bring redemption into their story? 
and it's been really exciting to see uh, the different uh, ways that uh, different ways we can look at comic book characters. And today we're going to be looking at the Joker, as you can see. And uh, there have been different iterations of the Joker over time, as you can see here. We have Jared Leto from Suicide Squad. We have Jack Nicholson from the 1980s Batman movie. Uh, in the middle is Joaquin Phoenix in the most recent movie, The Joker or Joker. Uh, Heath Ledger in his role as Joker in uh, um, The Dark Knight. And finally, you know who that guy is on the side there? That is Cesar Romero, and he is from the 1960s TV version of Batman which was incredibly campy and ridiculous. And uh, fun fact, uh, Cesar Romero did not want to shave his mustache for the filming of that series, so they painted white over his mustache, which is completely unbelievable. Uh, they got away with that, but whatever. You could do whatever you want on that show. It was pretty terrible. Okay. Well, we're looking at uh, Joker as an uh, incredible character who's been portrayed, as I said, many times over the years. And even two Oscars have gone out to actors who have portrayed him in the movies. And uh, we're going to look now at, uh, we're going to start off with a clip from the movie Dark Knight. And we're going to look at Heath Ledger's portrayal of the Joker as he's explaining uh, some of his actions to Harvey Dent. And as we look at this clip before we get there, I just want to warn you, if you have kids that are watching this, you might want to uh, fast forward this part. It's not a terrible scene, but it is definitely creepy. The makeup is uh, kind of scary. So if you have kids, just uh, fast forward this part. But here we go. Here's a clip from The Dark Knight. Do I really look like a guy with a plan? You know what I am? I'm a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do with one if I caught it. You know, I just do things. The mob has plans. The cops have plans. Gordon's got plans. You know, they're schemers. Schemers trying to control their little worlds. I'm not a schemer. I try to show the schemers how pathetic their attempts to control things really are. Okay, well, over the years, there have been many different origin stories for the Joker, but the most common one being he was a petty criminal who fell into a tank of chemical waste that bleached his skin white and turned his hair green and his lips bright red. He's known for his terrifying grin, his maniacal laugh, and his purple and green suits. And this whole incident of falling in the vat, it just drove him insane. And he is a psychopath with a warped, sadistic sense of humor, often pulling deadly pranks. Uh, some stories have him as a failed comedian before his transformation, hence this twisted sense of humor and silly gags that he employs like deadly joy buzzers and acid spraying lapel flowers. Uh, the Joker has no superhuman abilities, but he often uses his knowledge of chemicals to create poisonous concoctions and weapons. While the Joker is the perfect adversary for Batman for a number of different reasons, but a common theme throughout is they complete each other, as you can see from that fun little gif there from the Lego Batman movie. Uh, well, we have Batman, who's this character who's joyless, he's morbid, he's dark. Then there's the Joker, who's bright, colorful, always laughing. Uh, we have Batman, who uses fear to intimidate his adversaries, while Joker is fearless and uses fear to break people. And in some iterations, they even created each other. 
Before he was the Joker, he was this criminal who shot Bruce Wayne's parents, sending Bruce on the path to become Batman. And Batman was the one who knocked that criminal into the chemical vat, turning him into the Joker. Well, because Joker is a complicated character, he can be used to explore a number of really different interesting themes. And some of the major themes that come out, uh, some of them are mental illness, depression, and social inequality. And we see this especially in the movie Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. Arthur Fleck struggles with mental illness and does not fit into society. He's often shunned and rejected and ridiculed by others, leading him to act out and respond inappropriately and violently at times. At one point, we read this quote in his journal. The worst thing about having a mental illness is people expect you to behave as if you don't. He tries to put on a happy face, he tries to fit in and be normal, but it only makes things worse. And at the climax of the movie, he tells this joke, what do you get when you cross a mentally ill loner with a society that abandons him and treats him like trash? You get what you effing deserve. By not reaching out to the marginalized, society turns them into the monsters that rise up and fight back. While there are other themes that come up, there's chaos, anarchy, and something called supersanity, which I'll get into in a moment. As we saw from the earlier clip, the Joker doesn't see himself as someone with a plan, as a schemer. He wants to upend the established order and let everything fall into chaos. Uh, some character book uh, author, some sorry, some comic book authors have emphasized the Joker as being super sane instead of insane. Uh, super sane means that he is hyper aware of reality and the societal systems that are around us. We have created this society around us that appears to be law and order and have everything under control, but under the surface, the world is messed up and broken. On the surface, we think we're normal and good and upstanding members of society, but the person who is super sane sees that this is all just an illusion. Joker can see everyone living life like it's all good and he knows it's not and it's just a big joke to him. So Joker pushes people to crack and show their true morals rather than the ones that they pretend to have. And this is the central theme in the movie, The Dark Knight with Heath Ledger. Over and over again, the Joker disrupts the established order with chaos, forcing people to make moral choices that they don't want to face. In that same scene in the hospital, the Joker goes on to say this. I just did what I do best. I took your little plan and I turned it on itself. Look what I did to this city with a few drums of gas and a couple of bullets, hmm? You know what I noticed? Nobody panics when things go according to plan, even when the plan is horrifying. If tomorrow I told the press that, like, a gangbanger would get shot or a truckload of soldiers would be blown away, nobody panics because it's all part of the plan. But when I say that one little old mayor will die, well, then everybody loses their minds. Introduce a little anarchy upset the established order, and everything becomes chaos. I'm an agent of chaos. 
Oh, and you know the thing about chaos? It's fair. Well, the reason that I picked Joker to talk about today is because he is so fitting for our present times. COVID-19 is exactly the scenario that Joker would come up with himself. Introduce a little pandemic, upset the established order, and everything becomes chaos. COVID-19 is bringing out the dark side of us that we've been hiding and too afraid to acknowledge. Just look at what happened back in March when things started to pick up. People were frantically buying toilet paper. Toilet paper! I, I couldn't believe it when I saw the world freaking out about it. And then we started seeing altercations like this one in Australia. This is ridiculous, you know, fighting over toilet paper? But isn't the Joker right that, that at our core, we are all broken and messed up inside? You know, you take away the mask of order and our true natures are revealed. And speaking of masks, now things are starting to escalate even worse. Some people are refusing to wear masks in stores that require them to, and, and how are they responding? With violence? Even gunshots? This is unbelievable. This is not the world God created for us. We need redemption, and that's where Jesus comes in. You see, we don't need someone like the Joker messing everything up. The Joker messes up our established order by taking down leaders from high positions. He ruins the life of Harvey Dent, the district attorney, cleaning up Gotham. And in his first comic appearance, he kills the mayor. Repeatedly, he takes out these high-ranking mob bosses. Joker also messes with our systems of money. In the Dark Knight, he steals all the mob's money and just burns it. He doesn't even use it for himself. And if you look at that comic panel down below, we see, all, we see, we see the Joker stealing a kid's report card. <laughs> it, it's actually such a ridiculous storyline. The comic sets up the Joker is on a mission to make people cry. And this kid is his first victim. Uh, but later we learn that he actually needs that signature on the report card to access a rich person's bank account so he can steal their money. Well, the Joker's also messing things up by setting criminals free. In the comic, he sets all these guys free to help him with his crimes. And in Suicide Squad, he breaks into the prison holding his girlfriend, Harley Quinn, to set her free so they can go off and do some crazy, uh, stupid stuff. So yeah, we don't need someone to take down leaders and rob the rich. That's just not what we... Wait. Oh. This is how Mary describes Jesus in Luke 1. He's brought down rulers from their thrones. He sent the rich away empty. Okay, well certainly we don't want anyone who sets prisoners free. Oh, okay, now this is Jesus describing himself. <laughs> he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. What's going on here? Is Jesus more like the Joker than we realize? Is, is Joker really the savior that we all need? Well, obviously not. 
We're going to examine these passages and, and see how Jesus redeems Joker's philosophy. In Luke 1, uh, Mary learns from the angel that the baby inside her is the Son of God. It's Messiah, the one who's going to take over the throne of King David. And upon sharing this news with her Aunt Mary, she bursts out in song, describing how Jesus will change the world. And these are some of the verses from that song. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from the thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. What Mary is describing here is what theologians have called the upside-down kingdom. Jesus has come to flip everything over on its head. The proud and the rulers are brought down, the humble are lifted up, the hungry are fed, and the rich are sent away empty-handed. Jesus is actually all about upsetting the established order, because the established order is often corrupt and unfair. So this theme of Jesus and his upside-down kingdom, it continues throughout the book of Luke, which I'm sure you saw in the last sermon series. And in Luke 4, Jesus really embraces this kingdom with the beginning of his public ministry in Luke 4, verses 16 to 19. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So once again, good news for the poor freedom for the prisoners, sight for the blind, freedom for the oppressed. This is the world turned upside down. And I should clarify, Jesus is setting prisoners free who are wrongfully imprisoned or oppressed or metaphorical prisoners of sin. He's not like the Joker setting free actual criminals to continue their lives of crime. So anyways, let's get back to the story. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is essentially saying, The world as you know it is about to change, and I'm going to be the one to bring it about. <laughs> He's saying this in his hometown. You know, this is the guy that, it's little kid Jesus, the son of Carpenter Joseph. He's going to be the one to change the world. The people there, they just aren't fully buying it. And Jesus basically says to them that if they reject him, they won't be receiving the good news that this kingdom is talking about. And all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the, right through the crowd and went on his way. Upset the established order and everything becomes chaos. They tried to throw Jesus off a cliff and he hadn't even done anything yet. 
Okay, once again, how is Jesus different from the Joker? We see some similarities there. We're going to take a look at another clip. This time, this is Joaquin Phoenix as Joker. So here we go. Are they willing to change their lives to give up everything and follow God? God's kingdom is not to be bought and sold! Okay, that's uh, my bad again. Sorry about that. That's actually Joaquin Phoenix as Jesus in the movie Mary Magdalene. <laughs> okay, well, once again, what do we see Jesus doing there? Messing up the system. And this is something that Jesus does over and over again. He dines with the tax collectors and the prostitutes, the sinners. He heals on the Sabbath. He touches the unclean. He embraces the outcasts of society, the poor, the disabled, the children. He helps the enemies of Israel. He heals Gentiles. He heals Samaritans. And he even heals Romans. What does this guy think he's doing? The Pharisees are the ones who should be morally pure and upright. And yet, they're the ones plotting to murder Jesus because he is upsetting their status quo. And you know what Jesus is really doing. He's exposing their fraud, their false morality, the corruption and inequality in their religious system. So now getting back to the Joker. Joker says that he's not a planner, he's not a schemer, but uh, clearly that's not true. In order to pull off all the crazy things that he does, he has to have some sort of plan and organization. He's just He's not just winging it there. He's not going off the handle and being completely chaotic. Now, I should say in the movie Joker, that's an example of Joker without a plan. For the most part, he's, he's not planning and scheming in Joker, but in the series, we do see the Joker coming up with elaborate plans. Well, I would say Jesus is also incredibly intentional, and Jesus also has a plan. You know, oftentimes when Jesus is portrayed in the temple cleansing scene, like the one that we just saw, we see a surprised Jesus. You know, he walks into the temple, and he can't believe what he's seeing going around, and he loses his mind and starts throwing the coins and flipping the tables. But actually in the Bible... Jesus is more controlled than that. Let's read Mark 11, verse 11. We read that Jesus entered Jerusalem, went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Since it was already late. Consider what that means. Jesus walks into the temple, he sees the corruption that's going on, and then he decides... I'm not going to turn any tables yet. It's kind of getting late. And it, it actually isn't until the next morning in verse 15 that Jesus returns to the temple courts and begins driving out those who were buying and selling there. Well, why, why did he wait? Well, it's because he had a plan. 
He intentionally wanted to make a public scene that would draw attention. He wanted more people in the temple and he especially wanted a bigger reaction to disturb the religious leaders and get them riled up. I actually think the Joker has good intentions in his desire to break down systems and expose hypocrisy. I think that he has God-given desires in him that are good and noble. But obviously where Jesus differs from the Joker is in compassion and love. Joker is lashing out in anger and revenge. He's hurting everyone in the process. He's tearing down everything just for the sake of tearing it down. Whereas Jesus, on the other hand, tears things down so that good and love can be built up. So as I see it, here are some of the ways that Jesus offers redemption to Joker and offers redemption to us. Jesus shines light on our darkness to heal us. You know, the Joker exposes the darkness to destroy people, to shame them. But Jesus shows us our darkness so that we can find healing. Jesus levels the playing field. Doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, sinners or saints, old or young, we're all broken on the inside. We all need restoration. And Jesus exposes that in us. You know, the other day, um, I was going for a walk with my family and we were having a nice walk. And we ended up going in this one area of town that um, we probably shouldn't have been uh, in that area. There were some signs that said, you know, the streets closed uh, because of COVID-19, keep away, that kind of thing. But we didn't actually realize that we were on private property. The signs weren't totally clear. And we're walking along this trail. We're just about to, to, to leave kind of that area we weren't supposed to be in and, and get to the parking lot where our car was when a car pulled up to us and the guy just started yelling at us. He started yelling at me saying, what do we have to do? We put up signs. We let people know like you're not supposed to be here. I'm, I'm calling the cops. It's going to be a $10,000 fine if they catch you here. And he just started going off. And honestly, I got triggered. I was really angry because the signs weren't clear. We didn't actually know we were on private property. And I started kind of yelling back at him a bit, getting agitated. And we just were like, we're leaving. We were almost at our car. Why are you yelling at us now? It just, it really, you know, was not a, a healthy exchange between us. And I got back to the car and just realized, ah, oh, I, I didn't handle that right. I didn't handle that how Jesus would have handled it. I, I have this pride in me where I need to be right. Maybe I was right in that situation, but it wasn't helping. That guy didn't need to hear that from me, just like I didn't need to hear that from him. Um, I needed to have some humility and be gracious and compassionate in that moment. And, and that's what the Spirit does to us. The Spirit shines the light on our darkness and says, let's fix that. Let's, let's bring it out in the open. Let's bring healing. Next time you get in a situation like that, Dan, maybe tone it down, come at it with some grace. There really is redemption in humility, recognizing that we're all in the same boat. We're no better than anyone else. And this leads us to how Jesus was able to embrace the outcast, which I think is another message. Jesus embraces the outcast. 
you know, oftentimes, I hate to say this, we, we think that we're helping the outcast by, you know, doing these kind of charity things by maybe spending an hour or two handing sandwiches out in the downtown east side. But I'd argue that a lot of our um, efforts, they aren't really embracing the outcast because embracing the outcast involves humility. It involves entering into people's lives. Jesus, he ate with the outcasts. He befriended the outcasts. He went to their places. He he hung out with their friends. He listened to them. And Jesus would have listened to Arthur Fleck on the bus. He would have offered companionship and community to Arthur to help him find healing from his past trauma and mental illness. And I don't know if if if, if Jesus had met Joseph, if Jesus had met Arthur Fleck on the bus, would he have become the Joker? I think there's redemption that could have happened there. And as Christ's followers, we're called to open our arms and our communities to embrace outsiders, to seek out the lost sheep and welcome them into our communities, spend time listening, dining with them. And that's it's a real challenge. It's a real difficulty for us, but something that I think is important. The third thing that uh, I got from this is Jesus uses chaos for good. And it's hard for us to grasp this because, you know, God's a God of order, not a God of chaos. But I really think that God does use chaos for good. We see that in the Gospels and throughout the Bible. Because sometimes it takes chaos to get us out of our broken systems and out of our mindsets and onto the way of Jesus. I want you to consider for a moment someone like Martin Luther King Jr. and the Montgomery bus boycott. The black community at that time was forced to sit on separate sections on the buses and it just wasn't equal rights. It wasn't equal rights. And Martin Luther King Jr. along with uh, his whole association and all the people around him, they led a massive boycott against the bus system. The black community refused to use um, the public bus system for 13 months. Can you imagine? 13 months they committed to not use the public bus system. They had to get to work. They had to get around town. But they, they fought through it. And this created chaos as the city lost significant revenue and the white leaders were furious with them. They tried everything in their power to get those black people back on the buses, but they would not budge. They formed their own taxi service and they united together to stay the course, to keep going. And their sacrifice, their nonviolent resistance, their creative chaos, Uh, successfully challenged racial segregation and laws were changed that gave equality to black people. And this was a huge civil rights victory and it paved the way for future protest to challenge the systems of inequality. When we see injustice around us, it takes Christians to use creativity and imagination to cause healthy chaos. To wake people up to the hypocrisy that is taking place. I think that if the Joker was a follower of Jesus, he could actually come up with some really creative and bold ways to change our society for good. And perhaps the Spirit is inspiring some of you to consider creative ways that you 
can disrupt the sat the status quo for God's glory. Well, COVID nineteen has it's brought a lot of nastiness out in people, as as I've already explained, you know. But it's actually brought out a lot of goodness as well. I've been amazed at the community initiatives that I've seen go on around me. You know, people going out at 7 p.m. every night to bang pots and pans to say thank you to our essential workers. That's amazing. Nobody told people to do that, but we just started doing that. Or there's this thing going around now called Wine Ninjas. Have you heard of Wine Ninjas? What's going on is strangers are just dropping off gift baskets of wine to random people on their doorsteps, not telling them that they're there, just dropping them off. There's other things that people are doing in this time to show encouragement and support and love and help. People are getting creative in this pandemic, and they're doing this to challenge the notion that evil will reign when society is disrupted. You know, I believe that this goodness is coming out of us as a result of being made in God's image. Even though we're all sinful people, God still created us like him to act with love and compassion. And our neighbors, they don't necessarily realize that they're acting out of the love of Jesus because that's something that he's put inside them. And so maybe we can, we can, we can let them know about the source of the love inside of us and, and lift up Jesus' name in this time. Well, I want to leave you now with the words that Jesus spoke at the beginning of his ministry. May these words be words of inspiration and creativity for you as you go about your week. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. As we go from here, may the Spirit set you free from your prisons. May he open your eyes to see his goodness and grace. And may he inspire you and strengthen you to embrace the outcast and cause some chaos for his glory. Amen. Well, as Jonathan's been doing, I'm going to provide some reflections for us to ponder over the next few days to help us process the sermon. So I encourage you, take some time to prayerfully consider how you'd answer these questions. Here are the four questions that I'm posing. What inner darkness are you keeping to yourself? You know, darkness can be many different things. It can be uh, hidden sins, but it can also mean uh, inner inner torment. Uh, turmoil, inner trauma, things that you're struggling with uh, yeah, inside. Do you have a trusted friend or counselor that you can open up to in this time? Uh, question two, who are the outcasts in your world that you tend to ignore or avoid? May God open your eyes to see who, the, who those people might be. Or perhaps are you an outcast in need of companionship and embrace? Uh, number three, how can you creatively respond to the negativity and tension present in our city today? What are the things that you can do practically to get out there and show the love of God to this world? And number four, what is God speaking to you 
in the midst of this crisis? How does God want to use this unsettled time to shape you in his image? We know that God uses these times of chaos and wilderness and and uncertainty to open our eyes to see what we might be missing in life or how we might be going astray or, or ways that we can improve and grow. What is God speaking to you in the midst of this crisis, midst of this chaos? So those are my questions, things for you to reflect on. Look forward to uh, worshiping with you on Sunday and chatting more about this. And blessings on you uh, next few days. Amen. Talk to you later.